Just a prayer, as we start. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will open our hearts to your word, that hearing what you have to say to us today, we by your spirit will have the power to put it into practice. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As a child, I had three sisters and a hard-working mother whose only income was a widow's pension supplemented by family allowance. In the early 50s, 1950s, a big food manufacturer ran a competition. It was a novelty at the time. What had to happen, we had to enclose a label from their product, which we would regularly buy, and in less than 25 words, say how wonderful it was. And if we entered it in time, we could stood the possibility of either winning a refrigerator or a washing machine. Well, as a family, we confidently made our entry and prayed that we would win. My sisters knew that a washing machine would greatly ease my mother's workload, and they prayed that we would win it. I, however, wanted a fridge with a tiny freezer in which you could fill ice solids and fill it up with ice solids. And so I secretly prayed that we would win the fridge. Well, you'll be surprised to hear we won neither. <laughs> and I felt terribly responsible. I knew that my sister's prayer was worthier than mine. My selfish prayer had cancelled theirs. It was all my fault. Well, that expresses the dilemma a bit of this morning's subject. How do we pray for ourselves? For example, if you pray that you might get a, or somebody close to you will get a promotion, and that prayer is answered, somebody else will not get it. So how do we pray? Well, even Jesus' disciples who spent their waking days with him were unsure about this question. And they say, read in Luke's Gospel, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to know how to pray. And Jesus, in replying to them, gave an amazingly succinct reply. And we call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really a template, a pattern. It's not something that we parrot and, and, and necessarily have to say word for word, but it's a pattern, a template that will help us to know how to pray. And every follower of Jesus who can say of, through Christ that the Lord in heaven, God is our Father, can use that prayer, whatever their nationality, gender, age, or spiritual maturity. So this morning we're going to look and see how it helps us to pray for ourselves, how it helps us to pray for others. And the answer is in the pronouns. And if you have got a Bible handy, it's page five of the New Testament. It will be helpful. I know you know the words, but it just sometimes just to look at it and focus on it, it can be a great help. And the first thing I want to draw attention to is the pronouns. In the prayer, it's our Father, give us. Not my Father, give me. Not mine, that we're thinking about. So what we, so in a sense, the, the title for our talk today, what we pray for ourselves, we can pray for all we know and love and care for. And the other thing to note about these pronouns, referring to us in the plural, but before we use that, before we talk about us and ours, we pray you, your, or in the authorised version, thou, thy. 
These pronouns are often capitalized because they refer to our Father in heaven. And so we start with those, the first person, you, your, thou, thy, that, and so on, before we go to me, mine, us, and ours. So in our prayers, we are taught by Jesus to first remember and to contemplate and worship and adore our loving Heavenly Father. A Father who has all authority and who has an agenda and the means to get things done. Now, if you'll get bored in the sermon, you can count if this is to prove I'm right. But in our church Bibles, you'll find there are 58 words in this prayer from verses 9 to 13. And 22 of them are exclusively about God. Is that typical of your prayers? Do they start with a celebration, a contemplation of God? Last week, um, Patrick introduced us to the idea that the letters in the word pray, P-R-A-Y, can help us understand how to pray. P stands for pause, and R for reflect or to remember. And so we pause as we come into God's presence and we remember who he is, a father. And where he is, in heaven. And what his priorities are, his name, his kingdom, his will. And only when we have got got to that stage are we ready then to go on to the A, which is A is for ask in in P-R-A-Y. And I've been asked this morning to explain the ask in prayer, that section in prayer, how we should pray for ourselves and others. So let's concentrate on the remaining 36 words in this prayer, as Matthew has recorded it, and the, uh, the NRSV has translated it. It's remarkable, I think you will be surprised how much is covered in these few verses. And I want you to see how that everything we ever need to ask God for is included in these 36 words, these three petitions from the lips of Jesus. And it begins, give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread is idiomatic of our basic material needs. It's like saying something is our bread and butter. In other words, it's what asking God for all that we need one day at a time. Our material needs, including food, drink, clothes, income, medicine, a roof over one's head and so on, is to pray for the necessities of life. And it's one day at a time. Don't you think that's amazing? That you and I have a Father in heaven who is concerned with all that is necessary for you and for I to get through each day. At the end of chapter 6, Jesus confirms this truth. He says, don't worry, saying what shall we eat and what will we wear. Your heavenly Father, verse 32 knows that you need all these things. And then verse 34, he says, so do not worry about tomorrow. Today's trouble is enough for today. Well, you might be thinking, if God knows everything, as he does, what's the point of telling him? The answer, extraordinarily, is that God wants us to. Of course he knows what you need, better than you know yourself. But he wants us to talk to him. And Jesus tells us that the Almighty God loves us so much that he wants us to come. He likes hearing us. He is concerned with our everyday needs, our bread and butter. And so then, starting 
with today, and that's remarkable too, because somehow or other you would think God would want us to think of other things, but he understands that when we pray each day that these pressures are on our mind. And so he is so gracious, he encourages us to start with today. But he then tells us to say, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. So if the first petition is about today, the present, the second is about the past. And if the first petition or request is about our material need, I suggest that the second is about our emotional or mental needs. Many, of course, of us today have all we need and materially. We have perhaps a warm home, a full fridge, enough clothes, regular income, and so on. But mentally, there are some who are troubled with guilt. Things they did wrong that they regret. The things they should have done but didn't do. And we cannot change the past. It's there, haunting us sometimes. Things that can keep us awake at night. Sins, in other words. Things we've done wrong. Things we haven't done right. And Jesus here calls them debts. Debits on an account that we can never balance. We cannot ourselves bring the credit to that account. He encourages us to face up to the reality and to this reality and to talk to God who is above and over us. And so from heaven above, God has sent Jesus to reveal him, his nature, as a loving father. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. He paid off our debts by doing so, so that we might be forgiven and be at one with him. And when we see the seriousness of being in debt to God, Jesus then invites us to come to him and to receive forgiveness for all our sins and become true children of God the Father. Now, if, like me, you can look back to a time when you first realised this and put your trust and faith in Jesus, asking him to be your saviour, then you will be greatly encouraged by this promise of his forgiveness. You'll know the joy of becoming a daughter, a son of God forever. But if, again, you're like me, you'll also be upset that you are not a particularly good example of being a Christian, a child of God. That like me, perhaps you find that you do things that you shouldn't do and avoid doing the right that you should do. And so, every day, each of us need forgiveness for our sins. And to continue in sin while professing to be a follower of Jesus will rob us of the joy and peace that he promises to us and to all who accept him as saviour. And so just as we may start the day with a, with a shower or a bath, so we need to continually to wash our hands throughout the day. And so too we need to confess our sins. And Jesus has made us clean and, and we come to him, he forgives us all our sins, but we need to go on day by day to confess and to acknowledge those sins. And the great thing is this, that when we confess our sins, God is faithful and just, and he forgives us from sin, and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now that forgiveness, being forgiven and knowing that you're forgiven, has an, an additional benefit to our mental well-being and to our souls, because it enables us, that sense of being forgiven ourselves, it enables us 
to, have, to forgive those who have sinned against us. It enables us to forgive our debtors in the language of the Lord's Prayer here. So if you know, if you truly know that you have been forgiven by Christ's death on the cross, you are able to forgive those who have wronged you. Indeed, it is imperative that you do that. So you're then set free from a grudge that can eat away. And I've met people who, who just can't forgive. And they're so miserable. The person who wronged them in the first place is continuing to hurt them because they're bearing and cherishing that grudge. And so Jesus says, if you fully grasp the, the wonder that you have been forgiven, you can forgive others too. So we've seen in one sentence, the first of these three sentences in this short section, how God promises to provide for all our material needs in the present. And then the second sentence, we saw how he puts our minds at rest by forgiving all our past sins and how he enables us in future and in turn to forgive others who wrong us. So our present circumstances are in this prayer, our past concerns are in this prayer, and the final sentence deals with the future and with the fear and worry that we might have about what's to come to us in the future. So the next section says, and do not bring, the next sentence says, do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. We could, and perhaps some do lie here this morning, lie awake at night worrying about what might happen in the future. We may dread the thoughts that come to our minds. Well, the worst thing that could happen to us as Christians is to lose our sense of fellowship with God, our assurance that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Jesus is at work within us. And God's enemy, Satan, will do all he can to bring that about, to turn us away from trust to worry, so we will be tempted by evil thoughts. We may be brought low by harsh circumstances. But remember, Jesus, who prayed for Peter before his temptations, also is praying for us. We read of that in John's Gospel, chapter 17. He's praying for you. He's praying for me. So we can trust him for our future and be encouraged. And we are encouraged by those we know, like Francis, for example, who show us how one can trust God and enjoy his love and his, and his presence, even when the circumstances are painful and unpromising. In 1953, the, uh, um, an MP called William Teeling, who was the MP for Brighton, stated to Parliament that while the Lord's Prayer has 55 words and the Magna Carta, Magna Carta 650, an official explanation from the British government on how eggs should be used ran to 29,000 words approximately. Well, in our church Bibles, it's only 58 words. And in the 36 we have looked at this morning, we have seen how our Heavenly Father provides our bodily needs one day at a time in the present, how he covers our mental and spiritual anxieties from the past, and how we can trust him for the future. As it has been said, we do not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. 
That's a wonderful comfort if your faith is in Christ. We do not know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And so this morning it's important for us to remind ourselves to remember the context of these three sentences, these 36 words. How the words you and your come before before us and our. And before we ask, we should pause and remember who God is and what he is like. And so my praying selfishly for a fridge all those years ago could not frustrate God's loving purpose for our family. I'm glad to say I know that now. In the fullness of time, he provided both for my mother and much more as well. When I pray, our Father, I often think, and I'll finish with this story, of of a very old friend of mine once told me how that years ago, when these things were more common, he was invited to a grand dinner in a private home in Belgravia in London. The host was rich and very superior in manner and in rank. His guests all wore evening dress, black tie for men, long gowns for, for the ladies, and they were enjoying pre-dinner drinks in the drawing room in, in, in great splendor. When there was a sudden disturbance, into the room rushed a disheveled figure in ill-fitting clothes that exposed his stomach. Without stopping, he threw himself at the host. Good night, Daddy, he said, as he was picked up and tenderly hugged. As the beloved child of that august host, he was welcomed unreservedly by his father, just as he was. And perhaps some of here, some of you here today, see prayer to God as something rather formal, effectively needing your best clothes and uh, special words and, and careful presentation. Jesus, who knew the Father best, describes God as a loving Father who loves to welcome us, his children, as we are and where we are. He loves to hear our requests for ourselves and he loves to hear our requests for others. But first, he invites us to pause and think of him before we do so. So, in the words of Jesus, pray then in this way. And I'm sure you all know these words so familiarly. May God bless us and help us as we seek to grow in prayer. For his sake, amen.